0: Kind of a little explanation of what we're doing here. Uh, your reading is moving you, let's see, into the book of Isaiah. Um, actually, that starts this week. Next week, uh, my message is going to be about communion. It's Communion Sunday, and I'm going to share. I want to, I want to um, share some doctrinal things. I haven't done that in um, a few years, so we're going to talk about that next week. And uh, we may have a week in there before we do Christmas stuff, um, but then again, we may not. So uh, keep reading. Keep reading the book of Isaiah. Um, the next few weeks, we're going to, our readings, we're going to kind of uh, take a break from the book of Revelation, and we're going to be doing our communal readings. We're going to be um, uh, reading about the Christmas story. So, did I tell you to open to Matthew 6? All right, good. I should do that also. That will help me read it. Um, I, I want to talk to you this morning about look at the birds. Or maybe your translation says, look to the birds. And I think we'll see that as we read this passage here. I want to begin reading with verse 19. I'm going to read a little way, so please keep up with me here. I've got a gazillion things to say. Andy, my timer's not on, which may be a good thing. I don't know. But at any rate, um, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also that 's very important, so we 'll come back on that look at that a little bit later. verse 22: the amp, the, the, amp <laughs> the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So let me just, uh, and I know I'm going quickly here, and we'll come back and talk about this uh, in, in a little bit. But um, we, and I'm going to do it today. There's no way around about it. We we jump into these passages and we read them, and we because of time. You can't talk about everything before and everything after, and so sometimes you, you lose the contextual reality of what's going on here. That's, important. That's why it's so important that you guys read, that you don't depend upon someone telling you what's going on, that you read it yourself so you can put it in context. But notice there's a context here, and we often read these next verses out of, out of context. So let me continue to read. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. What you put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. That's a question. That's a rhetorical question he's asking them. Look at the birds of the air. Oh, my sermon title came up. Isn't that wonderful? (laughs) They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? Another rhetorical question. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Another rhetorical question. And why are you anxious about clothing? Question. Consider the lilies of the field. Are they grow, um, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon, all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field... Which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Question. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, "What shall we eat?" or "What shall we drink?" or "What shall we wear?" For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So, um, I want to talk to you today about the, the, basically the cure for anxiousness. And I, I want to do that in a, in, a, in a context of the times in which we live. Um, I know I put this in my notes here someplace, and I can't find it here. Uh, I've got too many pages of notes. Um, I had a very uh, and personal, I don't know, maybe you have the same issue, Very. if you're looking around, you have, I had a very troubled week looking at all the things that were going on. And I'll talk about this here perhaps in a little bit until I saw perhaps what God was doing from a different perspective and that's what I want to try to share with you today. Firstly, before I can give you the uh, uh, medicine, um, I gotta poke around a little bit and find out where the pain is. So, um, it's become common practice. It didn't used to be the case, but it's become common practice today to, if you, if you break a bone, they don't even often set it right away. They, they wait a couple days. And I've known people that have had broken bones that have partially healed, and when they went in, the doctor said, ah, that's not good. And he broke it again. And, uh, and reset it. Who laughed at that? That was terrible. <laughs> was that you, Colson? Okay, so you're not the only one. Here, so, see, you distracted me. Now I'm I gotta because it is amusing. Anyway, so we'll go back to this. So, um, let's look at the injury here, folks. The days of easy faith and worldliness are over for Christians. Um, what do I mean? And what I mean is that sermons and churches and, and faith attitudes and the way we understand Scripture based uh, as a base so that we can apply it to worldly things. And those that materialism that Those worldly things go from everything from, from possessions to comfort and ease I feel about myself. Um, all of those things are getting to the place, if you are a real believer, where they will be less important than staying faithful to God in these turbulent days. Now I want to begin by saying this, and I almost posted this, but I figured a lot of you wouldn't see it. I maybe will post it tomorrow or later on today. I would encourage you to look up the YouTube. I don't know if it's a podcast or not, from Doug Wilson, where he does a critique of, what he does a critique of a soliloquy or a critique from Tucker Carlson against a clothing company. Called Balenciaga. I don't know anything about this clothing company. Uh, it's not Carhartt. I don't know. So I, I, I don't know anything about it. So, but basically, their ads are grooming children for sexual exploitation. Um, it's for adults only. Sex objects. If oh boy how do I say this there is an ad on television that supposedly celebrates a sheep who breaks away from the herd you've seen the ad who does he go live with two guys every adult in here should know that the people who made that ad knew exactly what they were doing it 's too gross to contemplate to tomorrow there will probably be a vote on the respect for Marriage Act all right i 've already written my senators, Senator Young already voted to pass it on. He was one of twelve Republicans who joined with the Democrats to because they have to have sixty votes you know to get it, to get it for a, a vote to pass it. He already voted i'm encouraged I would encourage you today or tomorrow, to go to his website and tell him you don't like it. That's not Indiana values. He's already, he wrote me a long, pedantic letter about how it was okay. It's not okay. It codifies things. It may put churches in trouble. It may do all sorts of other things. Senator Lee has proposed an amendment to it, that would exempt things and they're not hearing the the amendment. One of the reasons they're not... Now listen carefully to this. One of the reasons they don't want to hear the amendment is because Senator Lee's church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Senator Lee's from Utah, he's a Mormon, Senator Lee's organizational church says we're okay with the bill. The reason that the Mormon church, at least in my perspective, from my opinion, may be okay with the bill because eventually it will allow them to practice polygamy. Now, you have to have lived under a rock to realize that there hasn't been censorship of social media. <laughs> okay? And, and the fellow who just recently bought one of the big social media platforms is now being defunded because he's not censoring people. They're putting people with lots of money are putting pressure on companies to pull their money. General Motors was the first one. They pulled their, General Motors pulled all their ads off of Twitter. And there are other companies that are doing it because he's not censoring people the way they want them to be censored. And that's just the beginning because in other countries you can be arrested not just deplatformed, you can be arrested for disagreeing with the recognized, government-approved speech. Um, <clears throat> one of the interesting things about the collapse of FTX, how many know what I'm talking about if I say the collapse of FTX? All right. Was that, I'm not going to go, the SBF, the guy who ran it, he gamed, gamed the people. He conned the people by pretending to be part of their religion. And their religion was woke altruism. I will give money to your causes. I'm one of you. And as a matter of fact, you say, how do you know that's true? Because he, he actually said it was true. He tweeted it was true. And I can't go into all those details, but that's the thing that I, I want you to see. It's not so much, you know, Ponzi schemes and crooks and these kind of things have, have happened forever. You know, that, all, there's all kinds of people who will con and people who can be con because they want to get rich quick. All that goes on forever. But the interesting thing about this is because, is that he knew he was gaming them. He knew he was conning them, and part of the con was that he was acting like one of them. Because, and that was part of their religion. Are you aware that the FBI captured every credit card used in a three-day period around January 6th in the Washington, D.C. area? If you happened to be there, they captured your credit card number. They knew who you were. <laughs> Amazing. Um, and we could go on. We just found out this past week because of some other documents that have come out, and and this stuff is coming out all the time. Thank God it's coming out, that our administration counseled the Canadian administration on how to shut down the Freedom Convoy that was in Canada, and they did it by freezing those people's assets. Now, we can get a circle going here um, as far as Assets and all that kind of stuff. And, and there's so many ways, so many things to talk about. I can't get into all that. And I frankly, I don't understand it all. I'm not here to tell you that I understand it all. Uh, I'm here to set the stage so I can talk to you about God's peace and what to do. I look at all that the things that are going on and one of the things that popped into my head is what would they do tomorrow if we were all unarmed? You say, you think they'd do something? Absolutely they would do something. They might not do it to everybody but they'd do it to enough people so that the people they did it to would send a message to the and the other people would get the message. Say, how do you know that? Why would they do that? Because that's what every terrible regime has done in the past. Now I'm going to say this it's it, it's it, it's time or maybe past time to prepare. I said earlier the, the, the days of easy faith and, and and worldliness, comfort and ease, you know churches that are encouraging you to pray for parking spots and nice weather, God help them. I say, well, we don't, we don't want to rain on our picnic, so we're going to have a prayer meeting. Okay, well, well and good, and if it doesn't rain, give God all the glory. If it does rain, give God all the glory. But I suggest that there's probably more important things for us to be praying for. I, 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 I thought back in history and realized that April 19th, 1775, happened, Because um, the colonials were gathering arms, flints and powders and cannon, you know. I'm I'm sure everybody in here has a big metal can full of flints. (laughs) So are you suggesting we stockpile arms? No, not at all. That was how they prepared. I'm going to give us some tools to how we can prepare here in just a minute. But it's time to prepare. I, 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 thought, I thought about this because it came up this past week where one of our world leaders praised Neville Chamberlain who came back from a conference with Hitler and said, peace in our time. And by the way, Hezekiah says it in this Bible. He gave away stuff and he said, at least there'll be peace in my lifetime. It's right in your Bible. You can read it. Chamberlain didn't come up with the concept people in Great Britain in the 30s who closed their eyes and wanted to look the other way and don't tell us about these things. We don't want to hear about these things. There's a little book out there, How Do You Kill 11 Million People? And in that book, he gives the illustration of the church where a train would go by. And when the train would go by while they were having church, they had to sing louder and louder and louder to keep from hearing the screams and the moans from the people on their way to death camps. It's time to prepare, and you can't—you—you—you you, you, you can't ignore that all this stuff is going on out here. I—I I couldn't help but think of Adam Savage's quote: um, "I reject your reality and substitute my own." And it was a joke at the time, but it's not a joke anymore. And you can't do that. All right. You—you you can't. The world does it. The world rejects God's reality and substitutes their own. That's why they can say they are whoever they are, regardless of the way God made them. But you must not. If you're going to worship God, you must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And so if we use worship in the way that it ought to be used, that means you're walking before Him daily in worship before Him, which means you have to walk in truth and as a matter of fact the apostle tells us repeatedly to walk and live in truth so um, what to do But let me come back to that. Keep your finger there in Ephesians, or excuse me, in Matthew, and turn with me to the book of Ephesians. We're gonna, we are going to come back to Matthew. Ephesians chapter five, verse twenty-seven. Because I, I want, i I want us to think as we read this. What, about what we think a victorious Christian life is. Let me put it that way. So Ephesians chapter 5 uh, verse 27 uh, back up verse 25 Husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her this is verse 25 verse 26 that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish or holy and blameless. And I I was always taught as I came up in the ministry and went to Bible school and and and, and, and I, I was always taught about the church victorious that basically this this victory had to do with us overcoming in this world, overcoming the, the enemies in this world and overcoming the hassles and difficulties and the frustrations that we have. So that, so that we lived in a way that was um, <clears throat> a notch above, not necessarily spiritually, but materially. That's how I was taught that a glorious church without spot or wrinkle is one that always gets her prayers answered. And I, I think that when we, when we think about this, that we have to think about, what, when we think glorious and, um, see, what what's the word that he uses again? Splendor without spot or wrinkle. That we wonder, we've, we've got to maybe re I know I did. I re-examined this. One of the things that happened to me, I re-examined that. I thought about that. I said, you know, <clears throat> Remember that God sees things differently than we do. And and so I wrote this down. This glorious church without spot or wrinkle is not a princess in chiffon in a mansion. Rather, a working girl in an apron and sleeves rolled up and maybe her hair falling into her face as she toils in a godly task and a godly life. That's the bride the Lord Jesus is coming for. Not one arrayed in finery. You can read the book of the Revelation in the first three chapters and find out that that's not what the Lord's looking for. He's not one that looks good in the eyes of the world. All right. All right. Let's look at Scripture again. Matthew chapter 16, or Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9. I told you to get back to here. So, verse 19 says, Where's your treasure? Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So, if your treasure is to be this triumphant church that's got all of these goods and all of these goodies and has all this peace and all this confidence and all this well being and feels good about itself, that's where your heart's going to be. Be not anxious, it says in verse 25. And in verse 26 through 32, it talks about the things that we cannot do, but that God can. Let me look, let me look at it again here. Um, <clears throat> verse 26 Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap. The Heavenly Father feeds them. Can you add a single hour to your span of your life? Can you be clothed like the lilies? And then he talks about our treasure. Look at Matthew chapter 10. Just go over a couple chapters. Actually. Yep, that's right. So have no fear of them. Verse 26. For nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. For what I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. <laughs> Folks, can you see that there's, there's this contrasting reality that's going on here? And that he's telling us to focus our attention in one area, not the other? Are not two sparrows sold for a penny and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your Father? But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before my Father is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Look at the context of this. The context of this is fear and trouble and perhaps persecution. He says don't fear those who can kill the body. Wow. And in the context of that, he gives us these wonderful comforting passages about how about how he takes which and some of them we already read about how he takes care of the birds and that how he knows about the sparrow. Ephesians chapter 5. And again, I hope you can see that Jesus' words here flow from one thing to the next, and so that's where the context—that's uh, where the context of this—this this comes from. Ephesians chapter five, verse fifteen. Again, I'm going to read a few verses so we can make sure we get the con- context. Look carefully. Then, how you walk—not as unwise, but as wise making the best use of the time, because the days are, what? Evil. Evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody, to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Hmm. Giving thanks always for everything. Always for everything having a thankful heart. And he gets specific and once again the context is evil days. It's good that we we must we must know that. Colossians chapter three Verse fifteen. Again, I'm jumping into the middle here for sake of time, and let peace and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be what, thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Now, I, there there isn't time to deal with all of the th- things that are in here, but I, I would encourage you to, if you take notes to to go back and read these passages and, and, and not just this one but all of these passages and look at what's being said here there is in most of these passages if, if not in the verse about thankfulness in the surrounding verses so that it's contextually accurate that there is a, there are commands about our fellowship and how we are to relate to one another God help us If we can't gather together when everything is nice and the only problem we have is a little drizzle, what will we do when it actually costs us something? When people are taking photographs of our license plates, say that hasn't happened. That's already happened. In the United States... That was extra. That's not in my notes. I'm sorry. Sorry, sorry about that. Um, it's all well and good, except I don't remember where I was. <laughs> okay. And above all, uh, where did I start? I started with what? Colossians 15. All right, so I'm getting ahead. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. I mean, what? It, it, it is very possible, and I don't know if it will happen in my lifetime, but it's very possible that, and that's why I say we've got to prepare. You know, we've got we to stack our arms, folks. Not physical arms, but spiritual. We've got to get our spiritual stuff together. Because it's very possible that we're going to be living in an atmosphere where we can read this verse and say, Yeah, I'm so glad that you're here. And I'm, I'm singing and praising God with thankfulness that you're here because I didn't know if you'd make it through the week. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So twice in that passage as he mentions thankfulness. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I don't know where it went. It used to be in here. There it is. Don't tell me a page number. That's not going to help. First. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12. Once again, let me read. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Once again, I don't have time to expand upon, expound upon all this stuff. We got people out here who have no one over them in the Lord. So right away, that it's impossible for them to obey a command because they violated other commands. Um, be at peace among yourselves. I mean, if you're not among, you know. Folks, if you think you're going to get through difficult times all by yourself, you're wrong. You're going to need someone to fix your car, fix your washer, fix your teeth. The scariest thing, one of the scariest things I ever read was saw that book there on the table, "Ditch Dentistry: How to Pull Your Own Teeth." And no, you cannot practice on me. (laughs) You know, go go buy a pig, butcher him, and work away on his later when he's done. <clears throat> admonish the idol we urge and we urge you brothers admonish the idol encourage the faint hearted help the weak be patient with them all see that no one repays anyone evil for evil but always seek to do good one to another and everyone rejoice always pray without ceasing give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of god in christ jesus for you and he goes on and say he gives some more commands uh, do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecy, but test everything, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. And he goes on to talk and again, just jumping in there. But I hope you see that the context of that was living in community with other people and having relationships and being under authority and, and praying and, and sharing with one another and helping one another. And, and th- command, this command, this thankfulness never stands alone. And by the way, these are all commands. These are not optional things. I don't have to be thankful today. (laughs) Well, you may not be thankful, but you're supposed to be thankful. And you may be angry and frustrated and caught up in the moment, but the moment the Holy Spirit reminds you, hey, you're supposed to be thankful, now you've got a problem going on if you continue, because now you're walking in disobedience and rebellion. Philippians chapter 4. Have you back up here a little bit? Oh, I'm out of time. Philippians four, verse four. You guys are familiar with this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. your reasonableness, reasonableness, uh, or gentleness, moderation. It's you get the idea. Be known to all, to everyone the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with what? Thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And he goes on and gives other instructions about what to think about. And, and those are good. And I, 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 again, no time to expand up, up, upon upon all of this. But what's the cure for anxiousness? He says, don't, you know, don't, don't be filled with anxiety. Don't be anxious. What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to pray. How are you supposed to pray? With thanksgiving. Because why? And I'll talk about this in a second, but because God's in control. This is the same chapter where Paul said, I've learned in whatever state I am there and to be content. I've learned how to have a little... And i learned how to have a lot, and i learned that it doesn't really matter. Now, I paraphrase that a little bit. You can read it on in chapter 4, and you'll find that he says that. It, our, our, our peace and that, that doesn't, doesn't depend upon our circumstances. It depends upon our relationship with God and our understanding of who God is and what God is doing. And then I knew I put this in my notes. This is where this is where I had this story in my mind, where I struggled and I wrestled with all that was going on. And then I, I, I saw this through through a series of things. It's, it didn't come, you know. It wasn't me. It was the Lord that did it, bringing things across my path. And. I saw what to do and instead of my mind being troubled man my mind was enthralled I was engrossed all of a sudden man I'm ready to go why because I had a purpose I could see what was going on I could see something that I hadn't seen before instead of looking around here all of this fuzziness and craziness and and absurdity and godlessness and wretchedness I I, I could see that above all that God was working God was doing something. And out of that, because it's my purpose and my job, I, 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 so God said, that's what I want you to tell the people. Praise, thanks, and trust Him. Now, one more scripture, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter eight. Look at verse twenty-six. Again, jumping in the middle here. Likewise the spirit helps in our weakness, for we do not what to for we know not what to pray as we ought, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Did you know that God has a will? Did you know that when God said, let there be light, (laughs) what's the next phrase? And there was light. Light. until later in Scripture it tells us that He spoke the world into existence. Just giving us a little mindset about the will of God, about what God can do. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. So if you're a believer, that verse applies to you. Look what it says. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He, that's the Son, might be firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those He called, He justified. And those He justified, He also glorified. So God in His sovereign power has made you a believer if you're a believer. God has done that. His will, the same power that said, Let there be light, and there was light. How many are with me here so far? I'm so glad you haven't eaten, or you'd all be asleep by now. So we're 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 getting to the end of this, so hang hang with me here. Look at verse thirty-one. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring a charge to God's elect? I've got to skip over this because of time, but you can cross-reference this to what John writes in First in John, where he says that, that Jesus is our, uh, our paraclete. He's our attorney. He's our advocate. That when we sin, we have an advocate. Who's going, to, who's going to condemn us? Remember when they brought the woman caught in adultery to Jesus? And Jesus dealt with that crowd around her? And, and, and then he said to her, where are those who condemn you? Do you remember this story? And she said, they're gone. He said, neither do I condemn you. Get up. Sin no more. That's that, that, So we've got this thing here with this will of God and and calling us and making us His. And and what does that mean? What does it mean to be His? What does it mean to be predestined to His glory and to be conformed to the image of His Son? What, 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 what does that and it's too big for us to talk about today but I just want you to kind of start wrapping your head around all of that. Look down to verse 37. Again skipping ahead. No in all these things we are more than Conquerors, through Him that loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God who is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. More than conquerors. What's the de- what's the context here? The context is being led like sheep to be slaughtered. So I don't want to hear about the context. It's the context that makes the promise glorious. God is in control. We can give thanks. We're commanded to give thanks in everything. We're commanded to give thanks for everything. And we're commanded to give thanks at all times. Three different times we mentioned it, and there's nuances to all of those things, but the the core of it cannot be disputed. We're commanded to How? How can God command us to give thanks when we're led like sheep to slaughter? Because God's in control. We don't live for this world. Now, I read to you earlier, at least I think I did, I'm going so fast here. He said, don't fear the one who can kill the body, but fear the one who can condemn the soul to hell. alright what can we do number one I want to challenge you guys we've got books we keep giving you books please read the book I think we only have one copy left how do you kill 11 million people it'll, it, it's an easy book it'll get your mind going in the right area we've, we've challenged you to read the book live not by lies I encourage you to read it get yourself acquainted with what's going on we've challenged you to read the book book book, book read the book Strange New World. It's out there on the table. You can get it. There's even a couple study guides. I I encourage you to read that stuff. Why? So that you will know. So that you can be ready at all times to give an answer to anyone that asks you for the hope that lies within you with meekness and fear. So that you'll understand what's going on in this world. Second thing, I would encourage you to take take... While you can take advantage of YouTube podcasts and and other social media things, and um, there's there, there's sources out here, and, and, try, and there are some people who there are some who aren't Christians. As a matter of fact, they don't even want to have any. They don't want to, you know. They're you know, you start mentioning Christian stuff to them, they get all edgy in their chair and decide they have to go to the bathroom and want to leave. <laughs> but they also have some good things to say, so you can hear those. But listen to Christians who are talking about what's going on in the world listen to Doug Wilson listen to Jason Whitlock there's no one out here who's beating this woke thing on the head and and, uh, critical race theory stuff more than Jason Whitlock who's got everything to lose by doing it and then when you find good stuff, share it with one another. And once again, I want to go back to the context of this. All this context about being thankful is all, the context of it is all in community and taking care of one another and helping one another and sharing with one another. So when you find good things, share it with others. If you find something you say, well, I, you know, I, I, I listened to this or I read this, I'm not really sure about it, then send it to someone trusted and ask them what they think and then have a discussion about it. Not a fist fight. A discussion. (laughs) Um, Hillsdale College. You can get online at Hillsdale College and you can take any number of courses about philosophy, about history, about American history for free. Say, what does it cost me? They get your email address and they send you and they ask you for money and you have a delete button on your computer. It's okay to send them money, by the way, because they're doing a good work. But you can take all sorts of courses. I'm not talking, this is, this is not some fly-by-night stuff. These are done by college professors. This is real, good, solid information. You can do that. Say, well, and, and folks, once you've got it, once you've got that under your belt, then you can pass that on to someone else. Now, let me give you three or four other things you can do. And those are practical. Let me give you some spiritual things. We need to reconcile our hearts, in our hearts, that God is sovereign. Nothing any king or ruler or president or congressman or senator or dog catcher is going to do this afternoon or tomorrow is not known of God, and God is using it for His purpose. Oh gotten late all the amens. You know, once it gets late in the message, people don't say any amen because they're you know they're afraid they'll encourage the guy to keep talking. So (laughs) number two, our earthly blessing is not God's highest goal for us. We live in a blessed country and we've got lots of good things doesn't mean we're better than the person who has next to nothing who's a believer this earthly life is not God's highest goal and there's frankly is nothing here worth knowing him and I read it to you last week when Paul's response to God's love Paul said I give up everything and if you won't give it up then there's a problem with your understanding of God and God's love and your love for God Third thing, reconcile our hearts to. Hardness, persecution, and struggle should be the norm for real Christians. We have grown up. I have grown up. Most of us have grown up in an age where that was not the case, but it was an anomaly. The reality is that down through history, more often than not, if you're a real believer, you're going to to have difficulty in this world system. The next thing, study this book and look for God's purpose and make yourself competent in basic Christian doctrine. And I gave you some of those Christian doctrines today. I gave you why you should be thankful. Why? Because of the sovereignty of God, because of the grace of God. I talked to you today at the Christian doctrine about honoring your leaders and about loving one another. Basic Christian doctrine. And there are nuances in all of those things, but those are basic things. We talked about those today. People say, you don't ever talk about theology. There isn't any week that goes by we don't talk about theology. You just don't maybe see it that way, but it's there. Come familiar with this book. Study it. Read it. What does that mean? Look it up. By the way, if, if, you, if you want to do, if you got a decent study Bible, I'm in last week's message, I don't want to preach that again. It didn't work so well last week, it isn't going to work any better this week. So, if you, if you that was a joke. Well, maybe it wasn't, I don't know. All right. So, um... If you go to Ephesians chapter five, you've got a decent Bible, you go to Ephesians chapter five, and you read that verse I read to you about giving thanks for all things, you should have a cross reference that takes you to the next one. Galatians, Ephesians, it'll take you to Philippians. It takes you to the next one. And once you read Philippians, then it'll take you to Colossians, and it'll take you to 1 Thessalonians, it'll take you all through the verses. And if you don't have a Bible like that, get one. And run the references. And study it. Ain't no video game will get you to heaven. and no television program or radio program that will get you to heaven. Now, I don't suggest you read while you drive. Here's my last one. Enjoy the life God has given you. I told you that I struggled with this, and now I got a purpose. The more I thought about this, the more I've got a purpose. I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm doing it right now. I'm going to continue to do it. I'm going to do it elsewhere, other places. Woe be unto the poor, unsuspecting person who says the wrong sentence. And gives me an opening to tell them about the grace of God and the sovereignty of God and the shallowness of modern Christianity. And I pray you'll pick up that same pennant and run with me. We have a purpose in this age. We have a purpose for the sake of our friends, for the sake of our children. And because of that, we can enjoy this life and be thankful. God, you've given, you have put us in this time because it's a time you ordained for us to be here. Every one of us in here could have been born in another country where we don't even have the choices to talk about the things that we talk about today. But you're here and you're now because of God's sovereign grace that glorious church that he's making is not one all dressed in finery. It's one that knows how to pray. It's not, it's not one that's always getting its material needs met. It's one that knows how to put an arm around somebody and weep with them that glorious church that he's making is not one that's victorious all the time in the way we think of victory it's one that comes together with others and says please pray for me i was weak this week i had struggle this week and in sharing and in prayer and in forgiveness we become stronger that's the glorious church the lord is making for himself And the more I think about it, the more I realize I don't think it's possible to make that church except in difficult times. Heavenly Father, have your way. I appreciate faithful people. We've preached 45 minutes or so. Thank you for your grace and your goodness when we look around about us and we get frustrated which we will when we see the ridiculousness and the rebellion and the awfulness of what's going on in this world the reason we get irritated and frustrated with it is because your spirit is within us crying out for truth and righteousness doesn't mean there's a problem with us and Lord when we wonder what to do we can give you thanks And we can load ourselves up with the spiritual ammo that you've provided for us in your word. And we can trust in you. And we can give thanks. In Jesus' name, help us, I pray. Amen.